welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon, and it is cold, rainy, windy day in Massachusetts. The remnants, I think, of Ian still. Have we seen our last sun for 2022? No, no. we're supposed to have a, a balmy Friday. Balmy Friday. 70s, sunny. Nice. Yes. I'll be traveling again to somewhere else. So it'll be, <laughs> and where I'm going will be even more balmy and sunny. So, which I won't tell anybody where I'm going, okay. but you know yeah. how it goes. However, um, it is a very cold and dreary day here, which is terrible because I just came back from, and if you can see, I'm wearing my my cute little sweatshirt. Warm and sunny Minnesota. I was warm and sunny in Minnesota. <laughs> was it? Yeah. it was absolutely beautiful weather. I was I was there for the last few days and um just flew on in and had a beautiful fall weather that was great and then came back to rain <laughs> and cold. It was not cold there. It was very nice. Okay, it's supposed to be sunny tomorrow, right? No. No, just it, Friday. That's a lie. Okay, sorry. You're purporting lies. Weatherman relies. It's possible. No, I, as far as I know, it's not supposed to be nice tomorrow. But okay. you know, nonetheless, it doesn't matter to me because you know, I'm working. So when it rains, it makes me. Happy. <laughs> when it's sunny out and really nice, and I'm sitting in my chair, yep, that's not a fun thing for me. But you know, um. So anyway, how was your week? My week was good. Yeah. Yeah. So far this week, fine. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, good. well, as you know, last week was very busy for me. Yes. It was like a whirlwind tour and that I'm still on with a couple of the hot second days in between of like the turnaround time. I literally put all my laundry in, turned around, unpacked the bag, <laughs> repacking the bag. My cats are like, where are you going? Yeah. So, um, but I did, I did want to talk about a couple of things from last week because I had already talked about the bowl with the Bruins, which we talked about last week. But then when I left here last Wednesday, um, that evening, I had the Pete Frady's um, gala right. from Ray Bork down at Big Night Boston, and it was a huge success and they did really well and it was a beautiful event. And I have to say that um, the next day they came out, well, they introduced, they didn't come out with it all of a sudden, but the doctor who created the newest, latest, greatest, really gr potentially, I wouldn't say curative, but maybe it is, ALS drug mm -hmm. um, oh, for Lou Gehrig's is, yep. is out and it came out and got approved, FDA approved last Thursday. So it was very exciting because he was there talking about it um, and lots of really great people and the Bruins and people don't know who the Bruins are. They're a hockey team. If you don't follow <laughs> National Hockey League, they're Jesus. the Boston team. Well, you don't know. I have lots of listeners from all over the country. Oh, I see. Okay. Who yeah. knows? Um, but it was a fantastic event. And certainly, um, you know, if you want to go, I'm not sure if they're going to do it. Usually they do the event in February. So people were asking me last week when they saw pictures on social media, like, oh, I want to go, I want to contribute. I want to have fun like that. And I said, well, I don't know when he's going to do it again, because this was a postponed pre-COVID gala oh. that was supposed to happen two or three Februarys ago when COVID started. And then we never got to it till this year. So, yeah. you know, there's that. So um, nonetheless, if you are interested, I'm sure you can look up the Ray Bork uh, Gala, Gala, however mm -hmm. you want to pronounce it. And um, is he and, starting to lose his hair yet? No, he looks great. Damn. Sorry. That hair is unbelievable. He looks, he looks, yeah. he's well coiffed. Yep. He looks great. So um, he actually, we did his 7.7. .7, we always do a 7.7 K race in the summer. It was like a hundred degrees this summer. And it was very funny because my, 
lovely husband, John, and uh, my other friend, Frank, who's been here, Frank Simonetti, the three of them, yep. they did they did the walk together. And the stories that came out of that walk, I can't, can't repeat I, on air. But I can't I, imagine. When I came, they came across the finish line, I was like, oh, God, I'm just going to go away from all I can't. You. I can't even imagine. They were very entertaining. I love being entertained. It was very funny. Um, cause I have them in my head right now, the, the couple stories and I giggled because <laughs> they were funny. Um, but you can also be involved in that. So there's some charity work there. Then as I was often conferencing myself this weekend and conferencing yourself, yeah. Um, I, I had the lovely privilege of a very nice VIP experience up at the wildcat sanctuary. Um, which is different than my big cat sanctuary or my big cat rescue down in Tampa, but um, up in, up in, up, 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 yeah, up. way up there, <laughs> up yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, there is a beautiful sanctuary that is what we call GFAS accredited. So it's Global Federation of um, Animal Sanctuaries. It has the Animal Alliance, uh, you know, stamp of approval. Um, it has all the right, correct, uh, ways of doing animal conservation in terms of rescue and, and sanctuarying. Um, so I got the honor and privilege of uh, being there and seeing two of the rescues that came from Joe Exotics. Uh, uh, Tammy oh. Thies is the owner of Wildcat Sanctuary up in Sandstone, Minnesota. Um, and she took on two of the tigresses that uh, Aurora and Alana, they're beautiful beautiful tigers um and she rescued them from when when carol shut down joe's yep. it's a little environment of people when carol essentially shut down joe exotic's place yep. in tiger king um all the tigers were dispersed in many different ways and lots of different sanctuaries that are correctly done sanctuaries are holding and getting them and having these girls for, have some indoor space, I would imagine for lifelong. Yeah. They what? They have some indoor space, I would imagine, up in Minnesota. Um. So, well, uh, Wildcat Sanctuary has indoor space. Not all sanctuaries have indoor spaces per se. Yeah. But Wildcat Sanctuary, because of where they are in Minnesota, and they have a crap ton of snow, um, all the animals do have inside enclosures that are either air conditioned or heated and they can come and go into paddocks that are, you know, and they're huge. Um, and they have long fields of area to be in and run and play. Yep. And so these two lovely babies that are not babies anymore, but <laughs> beautiful girls, um, you know, in, if you go back and watch tiger King, there was a, um, if you remember, and I'm not encouraging anyone to go back and, emphasize watching that show again because what a waste of life and time mm -hmm. but there was um the way joe would set it up was that he would just stack animals and you know put four, 13 of them together and then whatever and you had them on concrete slabs that never you know as big as this room kind yeah. of thing um so they never had seen grass they had oh, never really? been on grass yeah. they've never gotten that you know whatever so they have a beautiful enclosure because tammy does a great job with her staff of, of giving um space that's why Big Cat Rescue down in Florida and Wildcat Sanctuary up in Minnesota do a beautiful job of giving tons of room, despite what you would see on Tiger King. And they say that, you know, those little lockouts that have the food in them, that's just where they go to eat. So yeah. because that's the way to contain them so that you can feed them. And there's a reason why is because you watch to make sure they're using their teeth. They're not having abscesses. So you have an eye to eye. It's not like they're off and eating in the corner. Um but it was wonderful and it was a beautiful experience. And 
I never knew Minnesota. I haven't been in Minnesota in forever, but I had never seen so many national park trails and waterfalls and like they're in and about the city and you would never know you're in the city, but yet you have all these parks. And so I highly encourage people, I don't think in the winter, but (laughs) at any time that you want to go out there during like spring, summer, fall, it's really nice. And of course I went to the mall of America, which was, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was the mall. It was, it's a big mall with a big amusement park in the center of it. For people who haven't been there. It's the big mall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After about two hours, I was done. And then we went for a really long, beautiful seven mile hike because <laughs> I was done with them all. Um, however, I, you know, I've never seen a Lululemon store the size of that I saw there. It was quite large. <laughs> but you could do a lot of hiking in that mall if you wanted to do the you mall could, walking. But the, the, that mall smells like the conglomeration of <laughs> Nestle Toll House cookies, which were on every corner of each interchange, like the stores with Cinnabon and Panda Express and uh, just the combination of food smells is like, mm, yeah. I'm done. And then in the middle where they have these roller coasters and all that stuff, they serve, you know, kettle corn and hot dogs and yeah. like fair food because, you know, they create the environment of being at the Carnival slash Universal Studios. And yeah. they have the biggest M&M store that I've ever seen in my life. Really? So, I mean, yeah. enormous and a Lego store. It was just crazy. So that lasted for a hot second, and I was done with that. <laughs> I'm not a mall fan. No. Like the last time I've been in a mall is probably pre-pandemic. I just I don't like the mall. I hate the mall. Yep. I'd rather buy at a local cute little market or give to someone local mo- mom and pop. You know, you know me. Yep. So anyway, so the Wildcat Sanctuary, um, another one of my lovely philanthropy kind of places. Philanthropic. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Well, I could think of the word, but it didn't come out right. Yeah. Um, philanthropic uh, uh, little places I go to, and um, and it was wonderful. And if you want to give to them, or you want to give to Big Cat Rescue, my two of my favorite places in the world, as you know, um, certainly you can go and look them up. And they are always taking donations and taking um, any little bit counts because it goes, you know, ten ten thousand dollars plus a year just to feed a tiger. Um, wow. and that's for the big cats and then a lion. And then the littles are a little bit less than that, but, um, certainly any big cats. <sighs> and then this weekend I'm back at it again for just a different thing. So uh, animals involved, um, is this is a different deal. This is, this is a combo pack this oh, weekend. Okay. So, and then, then I get a little break for a few weeks. So that would be good. <laughs> a little break from that stuff. And yeah. then I go and then I, and, and then, oh, in between working with, you know, all my patients sure. and so on and so forth. So that's good. Yeah. You get a and lot going on. I do. And then if you ever get out and I'm going to give a plug to the Minnesota zoo, which I'm not a zoo fan, but when you're in Minnesota there, you run out of things to do other than walking trails, which we did probably 50 or 60 miles of trails. (laughs) Um, But if you go to the Minnesota Minnesota Zoo, they actually very, I'm a connoisseur of zoos because I do not support zoos that talk about conservation and they do breeding of animals just for the fact of breeding them to pass them along. And then, you know, under the auspice of we're keeping these species alive, but especially because they have exotics like cat, they have the, Links and they have right. all the cats, but they have other things, monkeys and all that stuff too. Um, 
just for the benefit of you can't put them back out in the wild. There's right. there's no one taking these. There's not it's not like they can be put back in, you know, Indonesia or Africa or Siberia or whatever. <clears throat> so um but the Minnesota Zoo did a very good job and I was very impressed. I was a little worried and nervous, but I ended up spending the whole day there and they have um a brand new litter of of three baby tigers. Oh. And um that was my little extra cat time this <laughs> weekend. So I think I took over 1400 pictures on wow. my really nice camera. So Lou for Christmas, I'll be giving you a beautiful conglomeration of all my beautiful all right. photos signed. How do your cat edition? How do your cats feel when you come back smelling like big cats? Um well they don't because I don't touch them. Yeah. There's no touching of them. Oh you know that. Yeah I know but well they can't smell that. That the cat I mean that the big cats would be rubbing all over me. That's true. So there's none of that. None of that. So anyway, so you have all lovely. kinds of pri privileges and stuff. Maybe you get the you what? You have all kinds of privileges and stuff in these organizations. So I know, but you don't ever touch them. Yeah. Right. You wouldn't walk up to one in the middle, <laughs> the middle of the field, and be like, "Hey, hey, meow, meow, that's a pet, right?" <laughs> Getting a little chin chuck. I mean, it's kind of funny because when you're sitting there with people, you know, both at, at either the sanctuary, at, you know, any sanctuary or any zoo, people are like. Oh, I just want to hug them and pet them. And I always say, and you can hear it in some of my videos, I'm like, until they bite your face off. Yep. Until they bite your face off. Um, so, but they, they're beautiful and they're adorable, but there's no touching. So mm -hmm. this is why there's no buying, breeding, trading, touching, or selling. Which brings me to, because it's philanthropic work, the um, Big Cat Act, which is the safety act for protecting big cats and people from each other, um, is sitting, waiting, and hold because there's one holdout, one holdout mm -hmm. in Oklahoma, Yeah, Senator Lankford, waiting on him because he doesn't like the language of the way that it's worded. So well, what's if you are in language? Ohio and you are listening, please call his office and say, can you just relax? Next term, the language can be changed a little bit. This whole bill protects the cats and people. It protects first responders. If a first responder comes to a house, for instance, and someone is has an ownership of a, you know, a five-month-old tiger and they have it chained to a floor and they're a drug lord, right? which is, these are the scenarios, um, and they don't know, they have to end up shooting the animal. Or if the animal gets out, right, and they don't know what's going on and they can't trust it, they end up having to either to protect themselves or, you know, so the animal's in a bad spot and the person's in a bad spot. So it protects, you know, public servants like police, fire, first responders, but it also protects the cats. And so it prolongs and it, it works out in everybody's favor. So the Big Cat Public Safety Act is is what's being tried to be passed so that people can't own exotic animals like the, you know, bobcats, lynx, um, caracals, mm -hmm. savannah cats, like Justin Bieber. <laughs> um, you know, all the cats that, you know, tigers and lions and bears, oh my, right? Yep. And it protects it. And it's not just for big cats. It's for all exotics so that people cannot. There is a grandfather clause in it. If you already own it and you have permits for it, you don't have to give it up. But um, that there's no more like roadside zoos, no more abuse, no more taking little babies from like baby tigers from their mothers when they're first born because they're supposed to be with them for the first two years. And they're ripping, you know, Joe mm -hmm. Exotic used to take them right away and then shoot them cat the older cat and stuff so it's it's a horrific industry 
and um, I know I've now gone on about this for X amount of time, but it's a passion of mine. And, um, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to pick a charity and you want it to be with animals and it's not about just regular domestic cats and dogs, um, I highly recommend finding a charity like that. And um, just be careful because if it says it's AZA approved, um, by the way, Jack Hanna is, um, even though he's like the, the god of of conservation. He's really not. Um, unfortunately, he has been a perpetuator of the, some of the bad stuff. And even though his Saturday morning programs, uh, I think he's at the Cincinnati Zoo, I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, and he's gone around to do conservation. He does it under the auspice of conservation. And, um, and they're claiming he has dementia now, but I don't think he has as much dementia as he reports or they purport because he's been out and about and he does stuff still. I think it's there's other things there. So anyway, so now I'm off and running again to do other things because it is the season. And um, so now what topic are we going to talk about? Well, Lou. Yes. The topic. Oh, well, I'll do a plug at the end because we're going to have another <laughs> plug, but it's it's for something else. OK. Um, so we're coming into fall, obviously, and most places are moving and shaking, getting colder, um, except for down in Florida. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that Fort Myers and the whole West Coast down wow. there, just below Tampa, including where my friend lives in Tampa, just below there, Sarasota, the whole, you know, DeSoto County, um, desperately needs help from people, um, animals in need and rescue and people needing rescue and supplies and so on. Um, people have asked, because I do a lot of philanthropic work, like how to how to do that. You know, call your lo call local, call local shelters down there and ask them what they're looking for and needing. You can go online, be careful. There's a lot of scams out there mm -hmm. asking people to give money. I wouldn't do that. I would call directly down to the areas down there and ask what they're looking for because so many people come out instead of looting your home, they loot you from afar right. um, and, and they will take from you. Um, but please, you know, certainly consider helping out the people down in Fort Myers in that area. We, we have a few friends that are down there and their houses just got toast. And um, a really, really good friend who has to do with the marathon, um, I believe lost her entire house on Sanibel Island. But oh, I'm not wow. quite sure of that. Yeah. I haven't had a full conversation with her about it, but I'm guessing. Sanibel and Pine Island and Fort Myers that, got That whole, got that whole section, yeah. I think that, yeah. I, think, I think her house is not present anymore. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, um, so yes, I encourage that very much. If you are not into other kind of charities, please be charitable because we're coming into that kind of season and it should be all year round, but you know, feeling a little extra right now, please help that. Um, it certainly gives me pause for deciding whether or not I want to move to Florida or even having a house there at any <laughs> yeah. given time. I'd rather take snowstorms and be stuck in snow inside for five days than to go through a tornado or a hurricane. Yep. I think I've decided, you know, or an earthquake. You know, there's yeah. that. Even though yeah. we get earthquakes up here, you know. Yeah, but it's a little different. It's different. Yeah. You know, I'll take my snowfall for a hot second <laughs> and then, you know, fly to Cancun or something for a couple of weeks. Um, all right. So moving along. That's to before you get to the bugs and the snakes and the wild boars. <laughs> well, there's that too. Yeah. Exactly. All the poisonous animals. Yeah, the um, fire ants and the. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so. Because it is this time of year, and we have talked about seasonal affective disorder, and this is, you know, it's, the clock is coming to closer and closer to being dark at four. Yeah. Um, you know, out in Minnesota, it wasn't, 
it's still light till seven ish. Really? And yeah. when I got in last night, although it was dreary, it's dark at six ish. So it's coming. Um, and that really changes people's dynamics psychologically, as we know. And so I've been talking a lot about that with people in, in practice of what to do. And it's the same thing I talked about a few weeks ago, but just kind of reiterating and going over how to be motivated and, uh, it, you know, trying something new. Uh, people get stuck in their rut. You know, they always go to the gym or they always eat the same things or they have the same schedule. I'm encouraging that now that it's fall and if you're prone to sad, you know, seasonal affective disorder or something that's related to this time of year, I'm big proponent of like do something different and new, change up your schedule, move your, move your workout times. If you're working, if you're a person that works out, move them to like morning time so that you mm -hmm. don't feel like when you come home at night, it's so late. Um, if you can't do that, try to like, you know, do something during midday, um, change up some of the things you eat. This is the time of year where people get into comfort foods yeah. because it's, you know, the, the pumpkin spice and the pumpkin lattes and everything pumpkin, which, ugh, um, <laughs> pumpkin pumpkin um but this is the time of year where like you know the baked goods start going up and pastas and stews yeah. and you know even if you don't live in a cold environment like we do it's predominant um throughout the country that people just change so this is where it may be not in california arizona as yeah. much but for the most part people put on 15 10 15 20 pounds um especially if they're sedentary lifestyle anyway and they don't have that in their repertoire and they go and do that. And then they spend, you know, March, April, May, June, trying to drop off all the weight. Right. So, um, you know, trying to make, maintain some kind of healthy balance and changing it up a little bit so that you don't get the, the down feeling and that feeling of drag in your body. Um, and it's, and it changes your sleep cycle too, because people start getting tired. So the circadian rhythm start changing because you get tired at, four and five o'clock and six o'clock in the afternoon. And I tell people that psychologically make sure you load your morning and your afternoon time, like your lunch and your snacks with protein mm -hmm. so that when the light changes at four 30 or five o'clock that you're not feeling like it's bedtime. So that when you eat it, if you eat at six or seven or eight, um, then you're not, ready for bed. Yeah. Um, so you have still some metabolism going because that's when you tend to go into snack mode, ice cream, you know, uh, pumpkin pie, <laughs> apple yeah. pie, yeah. ice cream, popcorn. And we typically don't do that in the summer because people spend more time outside doing activities, doing other things until till dusk. And that's usually eight or nine at night. And so then people don't have as much time to put on weight because they're not eating as late. And if they do eat late, it's a shorter window and then they're not eating as much. So if you tend to be a person who's impulsive and having um, control issues around instant gratification around food, um, you know, certainly be mindful of that because you're going to be more likely loading on a lot more calories at the end of your day, maybe backing your d dinner time out instead of if you're normally eating at six, which I'm, I'm always working. So, yeah. but if you're eating at six, push it to seven so that you're not eating at nine, like you would, you know, not normally. So I had one of those nights last night where it was like, I was literally, it was six fifty. I looked at the, my phone and it was six fifty, and it felt like nine o'clock. Right. So it's like, I can't believe it's not even seven o'clock yet. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it was just the, your whole mindset is different. And it wasn't early bed for me last night, early and never. I mean, I'll, I'll catch up. I won't do it again, but you know, it's just like last night it was, 
crazy. Well, and and it's so funny too because you get it's a, such a psychological factor with yep. the light. It changes it changes the area of your brain, which I've talked about before. You know, it, your your suprachiasmatic nucleus yeah. shifts to sun up, sun down stuff. So, you know, at four thirty, I always I've always I you know I work really late. Yep. So, at four thirty, when I've still got four patients left. Yeah. And I know it's not going to be over for a while. And I look out the window and it's dark. I'm like, oh, this is. I know. All those days <laughs> I when I you need to rev up for something here. Those days where you go to work in the dark and you walk out at the end and it's dark and it's like, what happened? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, what well, happened? and that happens a lot. So, yeah. and I think, and so that's part of the problem that a lot of people have, except for people working more from home now. And that's the other piece of it is because you're now working from home and a lot of people haven't gone back and are not going back that the psychological downside is that now if you are not a person who leaves the house you need to leave the house you've got to do some interchangeable things like if you have kids and they leave for school and you don't leave you need to find a time during the day that you're out and about in the sun you know, your, yep. your lack of vitamin D, your C, your B's, all those things, you know, you cannot be sitting inside and having taken your shower probably so you can get on your zoom meetings or a lot of people aren't even doing zoom anymore. They're just doing like their own work and then right. doing a call. No yeah. one's doing the zoom thing. Zoom's kind of like dropped off. I mean, all the zoom stuff I was doing is like non-existent, but right. I, yeah. once in a great while I'll have, and it won't even be zoom. It'll be like a Google meet call or just a FaceTime call. Um, and it's really quick kind of thing. Cause people are just kind of, hey, I'm yep. on the phone. So there's no incentive. And then you lack the motivation. And, and I, I was thinking about this yesterday on the, on the flight about how people who are unmotivated, how do I put this? So it's, it comes out correctly. People <laughs> who are unmotivated or the word that was used yesterday when I was talking to someone about this lazy. Yeah. I don't use the word lazy, but people who are unmotivated and lazy. Okay. So for lack of a better term, um, there's an expectation that things should come to them because they somehow put in some kind of effort versus when someone's really motivated and not lazy, it's never enough. They keep going. And it's, I, I encourage my listeners to go towards being motivated and not just settling, like having an expectation, like, well, I worked hard, so I deserve it. So I should get it. And therefore it's like, it should be always motivated, always going, always doing. So you don't yeah. get stuck in that pattern. But unfortunately, I think the pandemic has pandemic and, and certain lifestyles of, of this generation, this upcoming newer generation, teenagers and 20 somethings are much more in the, um, that mode. <laughs> did, you, did you see all yeah, the words that went through my I head? I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the, it, they're, it's, so I'll use the, this man was talking to me yesterday, it, the lazy mode. It's if you're lazy and I call it unmotivated, but if you're lazy and you think that you've done, you know, you go to, you go to work and you do 15 hours and I worked 15 hours. Oh my God, I've done enough. And I'm owed something. That's lovely <laughs> because that's going to be, you know, you know, kind of shoot for the middle mediocrity yeah. and that's fine for people if they feel that way. But then the expectation comes with, but I'm disappointed because I don't have more and I don't get what I want. Oh, well, I that's see. because you're not reaching for beyond your scope. You're not reaching beyond your level of what you really are shooting for. And now add in 
you know, a time of year where you're already on downtime and it's yeah. not going to have a lot of um, motivation to do things, you know, because your daytime hours are shortened. Eh. So um, it's unfortunate because I see a lot of um, newer teenager into early something twenties doing a lot of I'm owed. Yeah. I'm owed. And why isn't it happening for me? And the world is against me. A lot of externalizing and other people have this. Why shouldn't I, I work hard. That's not it. Yeah. That it, so how does this match to like the fall time? Well, the fall time gets you more into that funk. And so I bring them in together because a lot of times it's just, oh, it's, I get home and it's, you know, four thirty, five o'clock, not me, but other people. And it's like, eh, yep. I'm not going to do anything else. Well, and then well, one wonders why people hunker down when it gets dark. So right. they just stay home. Right. Well, cause and that's, you know, things don't happen when you stay home. We're going to do the bear in the back of the cave. Got to stay in the dark get, so we don't get attacked. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just like, yeah, I mean, how many hours after work did you have a chance to go out, meet people, talk about things, get involved in things. And it doesn't happen at this time of year because it's dark. I should be home. Yeah. I feel that way. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't happen, but I feel like, Oh, I'd like to be home, but I'm not. But, but I think, I think that, um, in our generation growing up psychologically, people did like people left work and went to the gym. Remember Jim was the big, you know, Jack Lane. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Jack Lane and, um, Richard Simmons. Simmons and all the, everyone, everything is you leave work and you go right to do, you know, aerobics and you do all these things. So you were always going, going, going. Whereas now, I don't think that's as much a thing and you really have to be self-motivated. Um, and so many people are not internally self-motivated and it's really about how do you get that, that need versus want. I want to work out versus I need to work out. But think of the basic mindset difference. You come home from work in the summer, you've got three, four more hours of sunlight. You're not going to sit in the house. And to go right. out and find something to do. Well, right now, you come home and it's dark, and it's like I'm not going out. <laughs> when you go right to the fridge because yeah. you feel yeah. like you go to the food products, and so if you're a food product person that you yeah. know stacks up on all like the the junky foods and has that, it's just a kiss of death for a lot of people because it just stacks on stacks on the demotivational sensors in your head. It so has you're trading gym for weight. It has to do with yeah. demotivational sensors censoring in your head of. I, you know, there's always tomorrow. And I always say, well, always tomorrow got my friend Bill in the ground. So, yeah. you know, to be quite blunt. So I, I You're have trading gym for food. That's not a good formula. Well, right. Trading yeah. the gym for food or trading the impulse control yeah. for food. Right. Oh, we have children here today. Do you hear that? Yes. Oh, <laughs> is it bring your child to work today? It's not my child. I know that. Not mine either, <laughs> but I can hear them. <laughs> um, must've been the one that was trying to get in the bathroom when I was in the bathroom. <laughs> um, but I, I think that, I think that, um, the darkness and we know this, like the darkness falling earlier, it just lends itself to people being much more sedentary and much more likely to go towards that lifestyle. And if you've had a, a, a lifetime social observational learning, so social observational learning has taught people how to, um, be like their family members who are either modeling motivated, elevated movement yeah. across the board and activation, or they've motivated themselves in the um, other direction. I'm, I have to put glasses on to see the comments. <laughs> I can see comments coming. Um, Michelle. Oh yes. 
it all habitual excuses, blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes, yes. But that's, and, and, and to the point, habitual excuses, there's always a reason. Um, case in point, I have, I have both patients and people in my personal life that I always ask, and patients don't mind, but in my personal life, I think some of the people are like, Ugh. you know, but <laughs> that's my first question is always like, did you work out today? So my patients, my patients, 94% of the time, that's what I'll give it. 94% of the time will say yes. If I put them on a regimen, they follow it because it's like, because they're committed, they're coming in, they're yeah. doing it. In my personal life, if I ask, it's the habitual excuses. It's the, I didn't have time, te especially teenagers. I didn't have time. Yeah. Mm, really? I know. What were you doing? I know. Right? Teenager, you know, well, I, and then it's, I was working. I was with my boyfriend. I was with my girlfriend. I was socializing. I was at the mall. I I was playing video game. I had homework and, the, you know, the homework is like a hot second, you know, because it's not like they're pulling A's. <laughs> so it's not like they're studious forever. Yeah. Not all, but some. Yep. Um, but so I think it's the habitual excuses come from those both anecdotally and in research. The excuses make up for the social observational learning of like when monkey see monkey do I do what my parents did um then I it's okay enough it's good enough for me and um it's happening to me I don't have control over yeah. it it's that same thing that I always talk about and it's un it's unfortunate because people don't break out of it when they have the opportunity it's it's kind of like that time um that I talked about the kid that came to my class that had never been to college and he was the first one in the family and his family, he lived with, you know, whatever, 12 people in his house. And yep. every time he'd leave to come to the class in the morning, the family would give me really hard to give him a hard time. He was always late. He would yep. always tell me why it was in. So, and I helped him try to, you know, really facilitate himself around being able to make it to the class and stay on his goal track. Cause he, all he wanted to do is he, he lived in the projects. He wanted to get out of the projects. He didn't want to have that for himself. He really, you know, emulated a lot of successful people that had, you know, had, had been famous and had moved themselves out of that. And he struggled with that. And he still, I think to this day struggles, and this has been many years. I mean, he really fought them hard because the familial habitual excuses were so ingrained in him and even though he was fighting them, they kept, they just kept him like, like they're like yeah. quicksand. They're quicksand because there's so much easier to just keep perpetuating. Um, it's easier to say, I'll do it tomorrow. It's easier to say, um, it's just one more. It's, I didn't, you know, I don't need to do that workout. I don't need to read a book. I don't need to educate myself. I don't need to go out socially, whatever it is. And it's so many things that yeah. it's just, it's the, it's the keeping down of your soul and your spirit because you don't have anything um, but going. I it, and I think life is so short. And the older I get, yeah, the more yeah. I see that it's it's not that it's, um, I wouldn't say it's short. It's that you want to have all your experiences. And I've realized, wow, you you have so much time when you know, you're in your 20s. You're like, oh, I got my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, my 60s, right? When you're, you know, and... Now you and I both know it's like, well, I want to go and have, I don't want to miss out on my experiences. So although it's been like this week, a whirlwind, three places, yep. you know, boom, 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 plane, plane, plane. It's like, it's exciting. It's exciting and it's exhausting, but I'm feeling like I'm fully living because I don't want to miss these experiences. 
and also it's not just for me it's something i'm giving so it's a mutual experience yeah. and i'm not just sitting in my shit how is that yeah no sitting in my shit wouldn't michelle you get very say? stingy about how you spend your time as, as you get oh, older put exercise on calendar first yes oh so michelle you're right for sure i tell my patients put exercise on calendar always whether it's first or not that um, one of the things that people make the excuse of is I don't have time. I don't have time to eat, eat right, which makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have time to, um, go to the gym or I don't have time to work out. It's like, if you make an appointment that, so to my patients, I always say, you make an appointment with me and you never miss it. Well, right. So if you make an appointment to yourself, you yep. to do this thing, then don't miss it. But what will people do? They'll make the appointment, block it off in their calendar, and then they'll say, well, I can move that because it's just for me. Yep. It's the excuse making that gets in the way of that. And and yes, amen to that, right? People make excuses over and over again. Or they say, well, I can do it tomorrow because, you know, my friend needed help or well, that's okay. You know, you know, I, my, I have friends that will say, Hey, let's go out for dinner, you know, tonight. I don't get out of work till seven 30. I'm going to the gym. Yep. I'll meet you, but it'll be at nine. Yeah. Right. So, but they know that and they'll, they'll say, do you want to go for dinner? And they'll ask me at seven. First of all, I'm not out of work yet. And I'm going to the gym. I do, I do my stuff first. Um, so that I don't have that back of the end of the day resentment that I didn't take care of me first. Because what's your relationship with your time at the gym what's my relationship do you enjoy it oh yeah yeah okay so oh yeah and it's not that way I for feel, everybody sometimes i feel shortchanged. yeah because not... sometimes i'm i am changing i i will shorten it sometimes if if it's a time crunch but i'm i won't miss it it's not that way for everybody though no and that's why these these decisions and priorities occur well, this is so it's a mo this is where the motivational issue comes in is what is your priority and what is important to you. Now, a lot of times I think people say, well, it, what is your reason for going to the gym? Is your reason for going to the gym because it's about weight loss? OK, mine isn't. Mine is to let all the the crazy go. Right. It's just yeah. it's an it's a change in my pace. It's to get out. Self-care. It's self-care. It's just to get yeah. everything. And I get all the benefits from it. I have, you know good mental health from it. I get a good endorphin rush. I train for my marathons. I, you know, have very minimal, so minimal socialization. I have a very little bit because the gym has never been that for me because of the way I was trained growing up in the gymnastics world is yeah, that's not how the gym works. You, yep. you, you know, 50 girls could be in the same room all doing the same thing, but no one's really talking. Mm -hmm. So I can be in a gym full of people and it doesn't even phase me. So it's not really a social thing, but I think it, if that's what it is for you and you want to go and get socialization, yes, do that. Um, it's, it's about going and getting what I need for me. And it took me a long time. And, and we, I think you and I've talked about this when I go into the gym many times, I, I will watch people and it's not as bad as you, I'll watch people, you know, as I'm doing the TV thing and looking down, you know, people who can read sitting on a bike, you're not working out. If yeah. you can sit on a bike and you can read, and I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> or if you can read a book or something on your little Kindle or whatever while you're on your treadmill, I'm not sure what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not, hey, at least they're there. That's yeah. what I always try to say to myself. Because back in the day, better when than I was the younger, I'd be like, yeah. what are you doing? Or people that are in there, they're, you know, spending a lot of time looking at themselves in the mirror. 
And I'm like, that muscle isn't going to get any better if you actually don't pick up a weight. <laughs> yep. So, but um, yeah. So but it's, it's better hard. than sitting on the couch. But but it is. That's yeah. what, so I always tell myself is like there at least are there. And I'm very impressed with it, of late um, how many teenagers are actually coming in both groups of girls and guys together and actually doing full workouts, not just chit chatting and like yeah. socializing. Um, my gym is notorious for having a lot of teenagers at the time I'm in. Um, for whatever reason. Um, and I thought at first, Oh, this is going to be a lot for me just in terms of, Oh, they're going to get in the way. They're going to be yeah. on machines. And no, it's been really actually really quite a nice surprise that, um, very dedicated and hard working and, uh, people who are doing it for a variety of reasons. And yeah. you can tell who, who's there for what reason. Um, and it's good. It's a nice thing to say, not making excuses. And you see them consistently in the gym over and over and over again, um, on a daily, which yeah. is nice to see. So they're forming good patterns when they're in their, in their, you know, like planet fitness, yep. they start, you can come in at 14 years old and, and do summer free. Summer free. Yeah. So you get a pattern of a 14 year old and 15 year old coming in on a daily or most dailies. And I see a lot of these kids on the daily and you can see the body changes and what they're doing. You can, it's like, oh, this is good for life. You know, they, they've made a, a nice change. And I remember going into the gym, gym like that at that age, you know, in, cause you had to do that in conditioning, uh, in addition to gymnastics, your skill building and stuff. And that's what you're there for. So it, it's a nice thing to see. Cause so many times you have not, I think there was a period of time where I just didn't see that a lot that, yeah. So now it's like people are back into it or kids are back into it. How do you realign? Because I fall in the category of, I go to the gym. But I don't enjoy it. It's not. It's something I do because I should. It's not. I don't get any mental health benefit from it. Well, you do get mental health benefit from it. Only from relief of guilt of not going. <laughs> well, then that's you. Then there's got to be something that you've got to find. And yeah. You're not alone in this. You got to find something at the gym that you really enjoy. What are you doing? Like, what gym? would that be? I don't, well, I'm not you. <laughs> yeah. So like, I enjoy the treadmill and I enjoy the elliptical machines and I enjoy doing, I have very specific planned out workouts for like abs and then like full body workouts that are just hit training, you know, high intensity interval training that is all body weight based, that is not um, based in yeah. weights. So those things, I mix all those things up. And so those are enjoyable for me because I do that on purpose. I like the weights because it's fast paced. You can move from one thing to the other and you don't get bored. I like the treadmill, but if I'm not doing something, I'm done in like. Do you I, have TVs I'm, in front of you? Yeah. Well, it's TVs. So what's Sometimes TV? you're going to laugh. I play solitaire. but <laughs> You're playing solitaire. Oh, you're one. Sometimes. You're playing solitaire while you're working out. I can't because I got to get. That means you're going way too slow on the treadmill. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not a runner, so you don't. I'm not I know, but you don't have to be running. But you gotta. You should be at a fast enough clip. The whole point is to cardiovascularly raise. I'm in not my cardio range. You're supposed to be aerobic, not anaerobic. <laughs> I'm. I'm in my cardio range. Oh God. Yeah. This is okay. But so if then, I don't, so this is like I get. Oh. If I don't, I'm off it, and I just I can't sit when there and I have, do that. I for, do. I do have somebody in my life that gets on the treadmill and she does a 2.0, and I'm like, oh, for God's sake, girlfriend, like a 2.0, you might as well just. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she's like, but I went for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. You made it a mile. 2.0. Well, to be honest, my relationship with the treadmill started during the weight loss period. Yeah. So I was burning calories. So yeah. it wasn't an aerobic design at that point. But now 
when I'm working out, it's obviously trying to burn calories, but I'm also trying to stay ambulatory as yeah. I get older. And yes, you know, keeps the joints moving. Yeah, have some kind of shape. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, I like with the weights. I kind of like I kind of like the response to the weights. You know. Well, so people need so for mental health reasons, right? You do need you do need a combination package. People who just if you're doing weight loss, for instance, for mental health reasons and for weight loss, and you're only doing treadmill you're going to plateau and you're going to get frustrated because you can't keep just running. Right. Uh, Especially if you get older, like younger people can do that. But if you're just a runner and you're not doing anything else, you're going to plateau and you're going to get really bored and frustrated and going like, what am I doing? Um, So you, you would benefit from doing, you know, like you see, if I had you in the gym, I'd be like, get on the treadmill for 15 minutes, do like that. And then do like 30 minutes of, hit training or weight training and then jump back on a machine for another 15 or 10 uh, an elliptical so that you're having like aerobic and anaerobic together so you're and then i would be changing it up all the time yeah so that your body's confused and doesn't know what to expect so it's more likely to burn you know that kind of thing that makes it more interesting it makes it more fun psychologically challenges you and you'll get more bang for your buck in terms of serotonin rush from it because you're like oh this feels good so i should i should mix it up because early on when i got into these habits it was calories and it's like to burn calories, I have to do an hour on a treadmill. Right. Well, well, see, because you can measure it on the treadmill when yeah. you're doing the anaerobic, you know, weightlifting, all that people think like, oh, I'm not burning as many calories. But when you're doing when you're eating. So it's a combo pack when you're eating really good protein and you're drinking a lot of water and you're eating vegetables and you're not high carb. That's bad. And then you're going in and you're doing your treadmill and doing if you're a calorie counter, that's fine. Um, and then you're also doing your train, your actual muscular uh, training. You're actually burning calories in connection with your treadmill in a different way than if you just did the treadmill because of the way that it's muscularity is going to burn your calories. But because so, that you what? because that increases your metabolism and burns yep. longer. Right. You you on a treadmill you burn in, at the in the moment, but right. with weight training you burn longer. And it, and it will do the whole like burn over time with your with your cardiovascular work. But when you add it in with the mus- working musculature and doing anaerobic, which means you're not cardiovascularly raising your heart rate above X amount, right, to burn fat or to burn weight or to burn calories, you're you're actually, you know, the muscle building itself. Um, and we're not talking about bul- bulking up to be a bodybuilder. We're just talking about the musculature being refined and toned and healthy will help you burn and shape your body better. Um, you know, and it goes back to that whole thing of what's, which weighs more five pounds of fat or five pounds of muscle. Well, they both weigh the same because they're five pounds, but which takes up more space, right? The fat, well, the fat takes up more space. So when you train in the fat, when you're running or walking or biking or ellipticaling, the fat, might drop, but it doesn't really go. It doesn't get shaped and formed and toned when you put in the hit training or you put in the other piece. Psychologically, it's it's a really big bang for your buck, but also you're going to get a very different body response because you're going to see a big change. If you're like working abs and you're doing your core work, which is not just sit-ups for everybody that know, wants to know, right? People are like, I did a thousand sit-ups. That's great. It's not going to do you a lot of good. Um, <laughs> You know, it really isn't. It's not it's core work, but it's not quite the same. You're looking for body transformation so you can see it. So psychologically, you go, there's a reason why I'm going to the gym. Yeah. 
which is you yeah, know, you need the reward. Right. So so when you do your treadmill and have a, a, a hit training technique or some kind of other thing, you're going to see a bigger payoff, which will make you, in theory, go more motivated to be there in the first place or eat better. You're less likely to leave the gym and go have a yodel. <laughs> <laughs> and they do still make those. Oh, I know. Yes. I don't, I don't need and them. And snowballs and all the stuff that you can yeah. impulse buy at the. But the good thing about weight, about losing weight is you get results early and that motivates you, but you do hit plateaus and that's where, that's where things get tough. Well, and that's where, that's where you'd switch it up. Yeah. So that you, so that, you know, like if you hit the, which people will, because that's inevitable, especially if you're not a person that has to lose a lot of weight and you're just trying and you, but you want to lose a little bit more. If you're a person that only needs to lose 15, 20 pounds, you're going to hit your 10 pound mark. And then all of a sudden it's going to be a little yeah. slower. Now, if you're a person that's 400 pounds, that first 200 pounds is going to come off you very quickly because it's ready to go. Yeah. Um, much easier. That's why when people, when people go in for gastric bypass and other surgeries like breast reduction and other things like that, and they're heavier, um, typically they're asked to lose 50 to a hundred pounds off the stop off the top one because it's healthier for surgery, but also because it shows you're able to right. change your lifestyle to support a surgery like that. Um, unfortunately, I've seen in the past recent year, people who have gotten that surgery uh, on both of those types of surgeries and um, were not required uh, to do those things. And, and I'm watching weight. Yep. I'm watching weight go back on. Yep. And you know, people think, oh, it's the quick fix. It's, Do, it's doing it, the same thing over and right. over. And, and I have, and I have plenty of people who have both surgeries and who stick to exactly what I've given them to do or to what their doctors have given them to do in terms of mental health and physicality. And they have no issue. Yeah. So it's not in. And again, here comes the excuse, right? The, the, the habitual excuses of, well, it's my genetics. That's, that's the biggest load of BS. Someone can feed someone. Yeah, that's nice. You want, that's good. You keep telling yourself it's your genetics as you eat. Yeah. A ding dong. Again, and doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. It doesn't make any sense. In, exactly. Well, yeah. it's the definition of insanity, mm -hmm. which brings me back to the whole thing about the fall. Psychologically, we are so um, trained, especially here in New England and I think in the colder areas of this country to go towards those heavy stew, comfort food, um, chili, pot roast, yep. potato based comfort foods, you know, going out, like I went and got a quick dinner last night and the whole thing was, uh, they, they wanted to do the whole thing over a, a plate of potatoes. And I said, can you not put potatoes on my plate? <laughs> and then the whole dish changed because it had no potatoes. Yep. So it was like, oh, okay. But it's comfort food but for it's, a reason. It's right. It and makes then, you feel good. It makes you feel good, but it doesn't make you feel good because had I eaten that, I knew exactly how I was going to feel. And I yeah. now know that feeling so well. I'm like, eh. But anytime you readjust to things like sugar or even salt or red meat or things like that, and you go back to it, you understand the effect that it has. When you're just eating it normally, you don't understand the effect right, it because has. Because it's so commonplace for you. If I had a bowl of potatoes right now, it, it, it'd drop me. I would have, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I had, I had a little teeny bit because I, I was in Minnesota and I was, yeah. th there's a lot of pub, yeah. Irish pubby German food. Right. Because of where it sits in the country. 
so the way I was raised and the way you were raised, where's the potatoes? Right. This so, isn't a meal without a potatoes. Pie. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of everything was with whipped potatoes and all that stuff. So the potatoes were not my issue, but they had a lot of meat and I don't eat red meat. So I did have a few little bites here and there. As you know, I don't eat red meat, but I did. And I knew I wasn't, yeah. I even just those couple little bites of, of shepherd's pie with the meat. I was like, Ugh. yeah, I was like, yep, I'm feeling it. Cause I hadn't had it since January two years ago. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> so I'm just feeling it. Not like in a terrible, awful, terrible way, but I knew I was like, yeah. Nope. I'm the reason why I chose not to do this. Um, and it would have been easier for me to just eat potatoes because <laughs> <laughs> the potatoes would have digested. But, but what is, what is it doing psychologically? That whole, that whole process of going through that. If you're not paying attention to how foods make you feel. Yeah. And that you just go with the flow that, oh, it's, you know, I mean, you know. But it's to, tough to see. Not to, in, do, not to knock Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks right now. There's the pumpkin latte and the yeah. mocha latte, pumpkin, chocolate, cinnamon. <laughs> you know, it draws you into the sugar space to, and what does that do psychologically? It brings you into the comfort of the fall and family time. And we're getting ready for Halloween and people's favorite time of year. And then it's candy and then. You know, and then in my mind, I'm always like, yeah, but that brings the family arguments. <laughs> so you're getting ready to gear yeah, up for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So you get all the food products and you're loading up so that you can fight. <laughs> but it's tough when you're in the midst of it to understand what food does to you if it's constantly in your diet. Like I said, you don't understand. Well, if you haven't had the awareness to step back from it or you don't want to have the awareness yeah. to step back from it because it takes work. And I the love a good instant gratification is yeah. way easier to give into. I love a good steak, but for me now it's once, maybe twice a year mm -hmm. that I have it and I still love it, but I know after I'll feel it afterwards. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I'm going to pay for this a little bit. Well, it takes three days for it to digest. Yeah. And so that sits on you heavy. But when you're eating red meat on a regular basis, you don't understand that effect. It right. has on you. When you're eating potato, like again, like you and I grew up doing, if you're eating potatoes every day, you don't understand what potatoes right. do. You don't understand what sugar does to you. Until well, you and, cut and it down. And people don't realize because the old school thing is still there, even with even though they've changed the pyramid and all that stuff around. I always tell people, like, if you had a potato today, don't eat a potato tomorrow. If you had pasta today, do not eat pasta tomorrow. You've got to give your body a chance to break down everything you've already had. That's to another get rid thing, of it. pasta, yeah. But people will be like, go, you know, well, I had pasta today, pasta tomorrow. Or they give their kids macaroni and cheese today, macaroni and cheese tomorrow, pizza, macaroni and cheese. I'm like, you, you're all you're doing is setting your kid up for sugar it's converting to sugar the brain's then yep. craving it and when you say here's broccoli they scream i'm not <laughs> eating broccoli right so because they're set up for all that is sugar and what does sugar do to the brain psychologically sugar changes the brain mm -hmm. and so now you got sugars that are in your food products naturally and added and the time shift demotivation excuse making that's habitual as we talked about at the beginning of the show and social observational learning from family members that are like, I'll do it tomorrow. It's just a piece of cake today. I only had pizza once this week. I'm only having fast food. It's, it's just endless. And it's, it's, I, I just think it's a kiss of death. I can't, and I can't help referring back to the fact that I just watched a, a man just eat himself to death doing yeah. exactly that. Yeah. It was my, one of my best friends yeah, and he knew all the information because I couldn't have told him any longer, harder, faster. And it's still, it was too late. And that was overt. 
often yeah, it's much more very over. Yeah, and often it's much more subtle than that. Yes. You're doing a lot of damage and diminishing yourself in a lot of ways that are subtle are subtle in that you don't understand how, you don't understand the mechanics what's going right. on. And yeah. and to people's credit, most most people don't understand any of this because they, they one school doesn't teach you this. I think all school systems from little up should be teaching the psychology of life in general. Yeah. I think they should be teaching finances, psychology of life in general, and PE shouldn't just be doing dodgeball. PE should really be what health, I don't even know health class. I hear kids and teenagers talk about their health class. I'm like, oh, like, it's not, it's not really yeah. what I would say is adequate and correctly taught. Uh, and we're not talking about like sex ed. I'm just talking about nutrition and, and understanding. I, I, I have two teachers that do health classes and even they don't know some of the stuff that like I teach them. And they're like, Oh, I didn't know that. And they're yeah. teaching the health class on this topic. And I'm like, eh. yep. so it's, it's hard. Cause I think that it's just a culture of like, we just kind of go with like, Oh, it's the new pyramid. And we go with that. And we go with the book that we got and we teach off of that instead of going, wait a second, that's not how biomechanics and kinesiology and the metabolism work. But people just go with what they know and it's, it, they go with easy. Often. Often. Yeah. It, whatever, you know, oh, that makes sense. Or food, again, isn't, food in this culture is not nutrition anymore. It's not sustaining because we're not threatened by it. It's mentally satiating. It's it's mind-numbing. Well, so that the whole yeah. thing in the grocery store, I, I liken it to the prescription the industry, right? The, the far, it's like big pharma. If, if the doctor gives it to you, it must be okay. Yeah. If it's sitting in the grocery store and it's out on display, it must be okay. Yeah. It can't be that bad. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the same thing. That's why when you go into a grocery store, you eat, you, you pick everything from the perimeter except your impulse. And now they put everything, your impulse buys are around the perimeter. Why? Because people got savvy to right. thinking, okay, shop on the perimeter. Don't go into the inside aisles because the inside aisles are going to be the ones that have all the junky foods. Right. But now they, they pop out on that little aisle end caps and they pop up on all the little things that, well, here's the, you know, the, the fried, the fried onion ring toppings for your yeah string bean casserole that's loaded with salt because you made it with canned string beans and then you put cream of mushroom soup on it and then you put these things on it. Ugh. But you take something heart attack. that can be relatively useful like yogurt yeah. and, and they start throwing a bunch of sugar in it because right, what well, they that, know is people right. go for the more sugar swirl, a big swirl of raspberry sugar stripe through it and then add some granola that's got 400 grams of sugar on it yeah ranch dressing blue cheese dressing anything creamy i mean yeah. it's the same thing you yeah. know we've been through this but all of all, my whole point on that is it changes your brain in general but in the fall in the winter time if you're in places where it's not hot, sunny, warm, and you're still not getting out in the day and doing those kinds of things, you're going to be more prone to psychological issues in general. Just, it just is. And there's a reason why, you know, Alaskans and people up in the greater Northwest regions struggle a lot with alcohol abuse because one, they have nothing else to do. And it's really cold. And it's and dark so they, 24 hours a day. And it's, yeah, it's either, yeah, it's either yeah. you know, the land of the midnight sun or yeah. it's dark, yeah. you know. So um, there's not a lot that they can do. Um, and people get 
very ingrained in that. And unfortunately, there's a, there's a cultural aspect to, you know, the American Indian culture is uh, in reservations. They're very heavily um, um, ingrained in yeah. alcohol consumption, and um, and it's a it's a constant uh, concern for psychologists up in that region uh, because of. Um, there's not enough psychologists in that actual culture, but then there's uh, not enough psychologists in general to take care of the problem. And there's such a catering to high fat, high content sugar pub food with served with a lot of alcohol to pass the time for people because they don't go to the gym as much or they don't do, you know, that's just not their the style because <laughs> yeah. cultural. What? I'm chuckling because you were talking about Alaska and talking about Indian reservations. And that, yeah. last week I was up at our place in uh, New Hampshire. Uh-huh. And I had the same thought. It's like, what else is there to do up here except sit and eat pub food? You can go hiking if you want to, but you know, it's not a ton to do up here. Well, that's why when when we go up to those places to our our place up there, yeah. right? Is that you have to you have to get up early, especially this time of year, and you have to get out there for the whole day, which is over by four. Yep. And hike your brains out so that you do have the rest of the day, the rest of the evening, you can you know, chill out by the fire and you can have your fun food or go for dinner and, you know. <laughs> like you go, go through the, way, the list. What? You didn't get a sink, huh? I didn't what? You didn't get a I sink. I didn't get a sink, no. <laughs> but, Lou, I felt bad for you. For for the listeners, Lou did post a social media post that they yeah. had two sinks in the place that we stay at. Yeah. And I knew I knew exactly where you were too. I was like looking at things, <laughs> laughing, going, "Yeah, oh, he's not getting either of those." Things. Oh, it was like it was an incredible so was conversation. Like, oh, you have two sinks. Which one did you get? Neither. <laughs> I got neither. <laughs> I was laughing. Which one's fine? Um, <laughs> Which one are you going to make a mess? And then she took both away from you. <laughs> she took both of me. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't need much, but uh, it was just funny. No sink for you. But you go start looking about what what there is to do in that area of the country, and it's like hike. Well, well, but <laughs> so, it. but for yeah. so, okay, so for people that are in winter areas like we are, yeah, you know, this is so take up something new, right? So, if you're not a hiker, take up hiking. If you don't like mountain hiking, then do straightaways, right? If it starts to snow, you know, pick up cross country skiing. If you don't like that, pick up snowshoeing. If you don't like that, pick up a little thing, a little crampons, and go across the ice, you know, try ice skating for the first time. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> this is my advice. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm not the best ice skater. However, yeah. you know, I've been on skates as of recent in the past few years. Um, you know, do something a little different so that you're not stuck with if you're going to those places, because that's what a lot of places do. But a lot of the places now in these areas of the country, which if you're a listener and you're in the warm spots, you have nothing to do with this. But they've made, you know, Great Wolf Lodge and they've made the water parks and they've made yeah. the indoor swimming, you know, the indoor outdoor heated pools with the swim up with the ice skating rinks around them. Like they're they're trying to make activities for yeah. people that are exactly going through the problem that you're talking about is like, there's nothing to do. Yeah. I mean, nothing productive to right. do. And it, yeah. it, it's nice because a bunch of good restaurants and, but yeah. you can't do that 24 well, seven. And, and that's the end of the, and so, and here's one of those things in talking about like fall issues is that when you're, you're going from, you know, people get up. So in the place that you and I go to, right. Yep. We're talking specifically, um, people getting up in the morning, I see them going to the, that breakfast place, the what? line. And then that 
they get out of there at like 11, 30, yeah. 12, 1 o'clock, you know, then you see the line over at the pub brewery. Yep. So you know that some of them have gone from there to there. Yeah. And then by five, six, seven o'clock at night, because we're in a small ski town that you and I go to, and that shuts down more or less early, except for <laughs> one spot. Um, that, that was a big part to. of this trip too. Yeah. And, and, and everything is, and then yeah. you go to dinner. Yep. So unless you are a hiker, which I am, which I can get up at 6.30 and go yeah. till 4, yeah. um, you're eating. Yeah. And Drinking. if you ski, right. you put in a good day skiing well, and then you go eat. Day skiing, yeah. Right. Which but, people do. Yeah. So. But other than that, and it's, they're good restaurants and the type of restaurants I like, but they're, it's pub food. It's a lot of it is pub food. It's not. Not gypsy. I know. Just saying. We almost got there this time. You almost got there this time. Yeah. Don't even just stop. Like it's so ridiculous. It's just so ridiculous. You'd rather go to pub food than go to Gypsy. Just killing me. Well, McDonald's. You should just go to McDonald's. No, it'd no. make it easier. No, for you. even I don't do that. Oh, John, say hi to Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Michelle's on anymore. I think she's working out. But, but that, yeah, but that's the struggle in. That part of it, diet is one of the places where you first lose control of your life. Yep. And it's one of the places you can first regain it. And you can yeah, see some I would benefit. Say the diet, yeah. and, and that comes from that. And that comes from. Because um, that's where the excuses come from. Observational learning. Yeah. Diets learned from your family. Yeah. That is so obvious. Like if you come from a health, healthy background family that eats well, that doesn't base their life around food, that you eat to live, not live to eat. Yep. There's a very big difference. So I, you know, I have both people of those camps in my life and, and their lifestyles are very indicative of eating to live is very different than living to eat. Yeah, Italian and, so and Irish. It's all, it's all about food. Very, yeah. Living to eat is very expensive. It's very time consuming in terms of your body and metabolism. And it, it's, it's a super unhealthy proposition for people in their early twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties that ends up being poor, poor results. That doesn't mean that people who, um, you know, eat to live don't have similar problems. Like certainly, but I always, I always say I'd rather eat to live like I do. Um, and if I had a heart attack tomorrow, I would know that I'm doing everything that I could possibly do to do it right. Rather than being like, I shouldn't have had the last 10 years of yeah. fast food, pizza and all the money waste that I put out there. That's not such a cultural thing because I have this struggle now. It's like I can do dinner. I can do something really small. And yeah. something really quick and just pass on dinner and people go that's dinner you can't just do that yeah yeah i can yeah i can do that i can have a turkey sandwich and just yeah and i'm that's good for dinner on a paper plate i'm good really well, i've told you i could skip yeah i could i could skip days of food days being trained as a gymnast yeah mm -hmm. yeah no, i, I, I do that, won't but. do that but i was trained to do that yeah but, oh, but for people culturally, I, the, 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 the bad habits I was trained into in gymnast world were not good. But for people culturally, dinner has to be a big deal and it has to yes. be multi courses and, yes. you know, side dishes and stuff like that. Well, and in orders, appetizer, salad, um, bread, Ugh, the bread thing kills me. It's like, yeah, I, it's, it's like I could literally take a chicken breast and grill it and yeah. eat it. And mm -hmm. it's like, what? No sides. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I'll throw, a, I'll grab a vegetable. It's no big deal, but it's like, I don't need it. I just eat well, it. And, and so I'm not eating to have dinner. I'm eating just. You're eating just to have, right, yeah. exactly. Which is why I can't stand it when when people go out for dinner and they have these bread bars. 
or they have, you know, where we go up there, right? Yeah. But they have, bre- you know, every bread is filler for boredom. They bring bread to the table so that while you're waiting yep. and bored for your food to come, you're filling up on that. Yeah. And you're still, you, and you won't eat your dinner, but you'll order dessert. Yeah. I love that. Like the dinner will be passed over. You'll eat a few bites, but you'll get the, like the hot fudge brownie sundae and fill it up. Because again, what's the purpose of your eating? Right. That's yeah. Are you, sed- are you sedating yourself or are you sustaining well, yourself? But here, yeah. that's the great point psychologically yeah. is you're self-soothing and you're sedating yourself from the misery that you're in internally that you're not identifying. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a good good way to sit at the table and ask the question: Am I sedating myself or am I sustaining myself? Right. Yeah. And and I would love for people to do that. That's a yeah. it's a great way to sort of end the show today. Is ask yourself in the next week or two: Am I sustaining myself when I sit down to eat, or am I sedating? That's going to be keep track of that percentage. Huh? Keep track of that percentage. I know, right? Yeah. Well, I can already tell you what mine is. I'm sure you could tell me what yours is. Mine sustainability. Not a hundred percent. Not for me. Mine's pretty close. Yeah. Mine's pretty close because I'm trained in that other crazy. I'm trained in a crazy way. I struggle late at night. My my food relationship yeah. issues have been long and long. Yep. So, you know, so psychologically, I eat to sustain, not to self soothe. And when I do self soothe, then I have that regret, and I go right back to sustainability. Yeah. And I've struggled. You know, self-soothe was for me is like a piece of pizza. Michelle and I will laugh if she's still listening. Yeah. It's a piece of pizza and it'll be like, Oh, or two. And then I'm like, Oh, I won't have a piece of pizza again for yeah. ever. But I struggle late at night, which is why I try to delay dinner as much as possible. Yeah, I don't struggle late at night. Yeah, I do. I would. But I that's, that's soothing. That's not sustaining. That's soothing. Well, Right. Yeah. And that's what most people do. Yeah. It's like, I'm, it's boredom. It's not hungry. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If you are angry, lonely, or tired, or any A is agitate, any of those things, right? Lonely, empty, or tired, fatigued, you're going to eat. That's when you shouldn't eat. The alt part of the halt should, it should halt when you have alt. So, anyway, on that note, Mm -hmm. um, we um, had a lovely show. I think this is really good. Are you ending our show now? You what? Are you ending our show now? I, I am ending our show. <laughs> our show. Our show. I'm ending my show. <laughs> um, but I hope that everyone makes good food choices this week because we are coming into even the deeper part of the seasonal affective disorder season. And we are coming into candy season for Halloween, which I've seen tons out there. And then we'll go right from there, right into ha- uh, the holidays and um that's the emotional time that we always talk about anyway. So please be mindful and figure out if you're sustaining or sedating yourself. And on that note, have a great week.